Welcome to the Therapist to Coach podcast. I'm Sachiko Cohen, a life coach and a former therapist. What if coaching is not a watered down version of therapy and you can make a deeper impact on your clients' lives through coaching? And what if you have everything you need to become a successful coach today? I'm here to help you to become a badass coach to create the lifestyle and income you deserve. Listen on to find out how. Hi, Georgie. How are you? Hi, how are you doing? I'm awesome. Doing awesome. I'm so happy to have you. I'm so happy to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. Really happy about being here. That you picked me. Yes, of course. I I would love to hear your story. So let's start with hmm, how long you've been a therapist? Um, I I actually just stated this last night. I think I always forget the number, but it's nine years this year. Nine years. Nine years. This is entering my ninth year. My tenth year. Sorry, my tenth year. So this has been 10 years for me now. And you have your own private practice. So what did you do before that, before you opened up your practice? I worked in a practice full-time. So before I decided to go into full-time private practice on my own, I was working for a private practice. um, And while I was working, I was pursuing my full licensure licensure in addition to managing the practice so this was someone that I had met um, and she had got funding to open a practice to provide um, care to children who were in foster care or who have recently been adopted Mm -hmm. and it was going to be a new journey for her so she was looking for an office manager and people to contract and do work Um, So I took on the position of being the manager, managing the office and details of the office in addition to seeing clients and having a caseload. Oh, that's very unique. Is is my speaker okay? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Um, Yeah, that's unique. So you kind of learned ins and outs of how the private practice runs and works through that experience while you were doing the clinical uh, hours? Yes, yes. So scheduling, um, you know, booking, we didn't have to do much of payment processing because she had funding to see people, but it still was a part that we had to include um, in terms of like invoices, um, Mm -hmm. billable hours, like there were certain levels that were very similar private practice, some that were very different mm-hmm. in terms of collecting monies, um, but the marketing of it, the um, the follow-up and the engagement, the intakes were all things that replicated just a, a very general private practice. Wow, so how was the transition from that and to your own, own practice? Um, it felt easy. It, yeah. it was like, oh, well, if I could do this for her, I can, you know, not so much like, oh, if I did it for her, I could do it for myself, but it didn't seem as difficult. It didn't seem as impossible. Mm-hmm. If anything, it, I grew in my belief of like, oh, this may have been difficult, um, but I was able to do it. Like there was more proof in myself and my capability. 
And by doing so, it led me to have more confidence in pursuing my private practice. Mm -hmm. So how long you have had your own practice? Um, I was being, when I started, um, it was 2014. Um, and I started part-time, then I mm -hmm. went full-time two years and now I'm back part-time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, not really part-time, but part-time in comparison to some people, right? So some people think uh, my full-time caseload was around 28 clients per week. 28? 28. My wow. part-time caseload is around 10 to 14. Mm. But do you, do, do you have another job right now or do you... Um, you just reduced your hours in your practice. I did pick up a, so when I decided to come out of practice full time, it was in, there were several things that led up to that. Um, but, um, I did decide to take another job. And so mm -hmm. I was working for a system a more public government system in DC, mm -hmm. um, doing something very different that I never done, never knew about until I was asked or hired for the job. Mm. So the, in the initial phase of that, it required my attention. And I knew that I wanted to reduce my caseload, but I knew that I also needed to supplement my income with a reduction in my caseload. Mm. So do you do that now too? I still do it now. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. So then your full caseload in your practice right now is 10 to 14. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you're full. Practice. Yes. That's yeah. full for me. In yeah. doing two years of private practice with 28 clients a week, I realized that I did not want to see that many clients a week. Right? There were right. some truths that I had to accept about what worked for me and what didn't. And seeing that many in one week did not work for me in terms of my overall function, how I showed up in sessions and you know, what I need, like how I was delivering the best quality work. Mm -hmm. um, I reached my capacity with 28. I reached yeah. my capacity yeah. 10 to 14, but I was operating beyond capacity. And so to be a better service to my clients and to myself, I realized something needed to shift. Mm, I love that because I've heard and seen many therapists in private practice going up to like 35 clients to 40 clients. And Wow, yeah, that is very, and, and I guess for some people it works, but I think when you realize that, that that's not going to work for the quality that, you know, you wanted to keep and provide, I think that's amazing that you kind of looked inward and then made that decision. Mm -hmm. I think it was also in addition to at the time that I was transitioning to practice, there wasn't a lot of resources. There wasn't a lot of support. Mm -hmm. I ended up actually paying for coaching. I joined a group program, um, a group program of these two, was led by two ladies who were helping therapists build out their private practice with the hopes of getting the support um, and connections that I needed to, because I felt very isolated. At the time, I was the only one amongst my friends or peers who were pursuing um, entrepreneurship and so, or pursuing doing business full-time alone. Um, so not to have anyone support or understand the journey was a very isolated experience for me. It was a lot of times feeling like I was on my own and people didn't quite understand or grasp uh, what I was doing. 
Right. And when did you discover coaching and decided to bring coaching into your, your practice or your business model? Well, I had a mentor who was always the dialect of the two. So she mm -hmm. did therapy and coaching. And she was someone that I always admired. Um, I loved her quality of work. Mm -hmm. um, I love how she was very action oriented. Um, and in my experience of receiving therapy, I understood the process part of therapy. What I always missed from therapy was the action oriented part of it. Right, me too. I totally, totally resonate <laughs> with you. <laughs> yeah. So my thought was like, what if I, like, if I know I benefit from the both of both worlds, what if other people could benefit from the both, both worlds? Mm -hmm. And what would that look like and what would it mean? And that was my active pursuit of understanding and going through coaching. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because I, when I was going through grief and depression and postpartum and, and first I, I, all I knew was therapy, therapy, right? So I reached out and got therapy and got the grief and that, you know, suffering part out, but then, and then I closed it out, right? Like, you know, as a client, but I'm a therapist too. So I kind of knew when it was done. And the, my therapist also said, yeah, you're done. And then I was like, now what? <laughs> I need to kind of like build my life back up, you know? And what do I really want in my life? And I have these two little ones and then my mom passed away. So then like my life was kind of like upside down and, and yeah, and that's when I discovered coaching and that's what I was missing. Like I was like searching for it, I guess. And that was my kind of like discovery too. So yeah, definitely um, that best of the two worlds, right? Yes. I think I my, mm -mm, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Um, one of the things that kind of resonated with me in terms of my experience, not only as a woman, but as a black woman, right? There was a way that I think we, I had shared experiences with people and our ability to cope and be strong, um, but not having, like once, like you said, we've arrived at understanding our emotions, there was always the fuel of like, there's something else to do. And mm -hmm. so living in that and maintaining that, that's sometimes... Um, I needed help and structure around that. And coaching introduced the structure and support around, you know, still being sensible, still being vulnerable, still being open and while pursuing things without having to be masked in so much strength mm -hmm. and masculine energy that I can still maintain feminine energy and I can still maintain balance while I'm actively pursuing the goals that I want. Wow, so intentional, I think. It, it, did you mention, maybe this was a while ago, but you got certification or some sort of class or a program through your schooling? Yeah, so it was part schooling through my, my mentor who was a part, had some function to the school, and then it was um, classes and courses that I took. So the courses, when I were taking them at the time, didn't offer, like the certification program was a part of just doing additional hours to be certified. Um, but there was just a coursework that you were allowed to do in the practic practic practical part of that that I was allowed to do that gave me the more intensive training. 
That's amazing because I, you know, of course, when I went to school, this was a long time ago, but, you know, there was no, you know, notion of coaching or anything back then. And it's, it's great that schools are um, having those options and, and programs that includes coaching. So I guess let me be clear. It was a different program. My teacher was from the school. But the program was addition, like an outside support um, adjunct to. Oh, okay. The so, so it was, it was more like your program. your choice that you 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 intentionally chose to to do that yes. extra. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's amazing. What is the so right now your caseload ten to fourteen clients a week. Um, in your practice, what's the ratio of how, like, what kind of, how many percent are therapy clients? How many percent are coaching clients? Um, so the ratio is about 60-40. 60 are about um, therapy clients and 40 are coaching clients mm -hmm. with the near future to transition to full coaching. Full coaching, that's exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. Yeah, so how did you, I'm sure listeners and a lot of therapists are wondering, how did you successfully kind of like separate the two? How do you explain the difference to, you know, potential clients coming in? How do you talk about therapy and coaching and decide who's for what? So I think what I look at in terms of their position presenting factors is the thing that I used to decide. Um, and I have in my questionnaire, I ask them, which one are you seeking, right? Because I have other clinicians who work in my practice who just do therapy. So if you get me, you could get either or, right? <laughs> or sometimes my, my approach is somewhat collaborative and I tell people that. So based on your presenting issue, based on the your presenting symptoms and the things that you are truly struggling with, I decide in the consultation what I think the best approach would be. Um, and that uh, if your symptoms are more related to, um, and this is why I know that I've shifted more so from therapy to coaching, because usually my coaching clients have a context or a base that if you need therapy, there is no base, right? There's like a bottom out. I'm really struggling in a sense, mm -hmm. and my struggle impacts my daily living. So when I think about therapy clients, that's what they tend to look like. Their, their presentation resembles struggle, and it impacts the way that they live every day. Um, when I see a coaching client, there's usually a context in terms of their awareness, their acknowledgement, but it, the not capable of figuring it out therefore they're seeking the support to transition to figuring it out um, and the way that i explained it to them in terms of therapy is process oriented coaching is action oriented mm -hmm. if you just want to sit and talk and i don't sit and talk with any of my clients <laughs> but if the if your expectation is validation and processing and you know really discovery right then that is a therapeutic approach versus a coaching is there's a challenge there's an expectation of you being aware you're taking self-responsibility you growing and your understanding of what you have in terms of your capacity to change right you being responsible for you yeah um, 
and they understand when I explain it, which one is sort of more aligned. So I offer based on the alignment and what they present with. And I don't necessarily let them decide. I decide for them and tell them what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. Wow. So do you take any insurance uh, for therapy clients? No. When I started my practice, I knew that I did not want to be an insurance-based client. Hmm. I mean, uh, insurance. Um, I did not want to accept insurance. Yeah. Okay. So then people come into you are pretty much clear that they don't come to you like, do you take insurance? <laughs> Type of thing. They so, still ask. Uh, they do. <laughs> It's on my website. It's on everything that I'm a part of. It says I don't take insurance. They still ask. Yeah. <laughs> they still ask. And I actually have given some consideration in terms of my practice, um, how probably getting on a panel to create more space for my therapists who I supervise um, or who are a part of my practice to maintain or have more contact with people. That has been a consideration of mine. Mm -hmm. So those therapists that you supervise, they're under you, like it, it's kind of like a group practice that you're running? Yes. Mm. You're a businesswoman. <laughs> yes, businesswoman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and your clinician and your coach, you're a badass. I, I can receive all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would take all that. Yes, you are. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah. So what do you love the most? I, I know you mentioned the difference between action oriented versus process oriented, and you really want that action part to be part of the, the help that you give to your clients. So that's one of the things that you love about coaching. How about um for you, like for yourself, your growth, or your life, what do you love about coaching in, in terms of, yeah, yourself? I think I love the, the control that it has given. I think it's the uh, ability in terms of um, choice and control that it has introduced me to, right? In, in the sense that I'm responsible for me mm -hmm. and I can manage me. I can um, support me, love me, you know, create whatever, whatever it is that I need from me. I have the capacity, ability to do that. I think coaching introduced those ideas, those beliefs to me. Mm -hmm. That is what I love. That is what I think anchors me in the work. And that is what I introduce to my clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of like we go through transformation as a coach and as we go through the, those transformation ourselves, there are a lot of parallel process with your clients and a lot of growth in that. And I think that's, that's very exciting too. So what has been, or maybe what, what are you struggling now? Or maybe something that was very challenging for you during the course of like, you know, introducing coaching into your practice and what has been a, a difficult challenge for you? People understanding the price, <laughs> the, uh, the way that, uh, how or what they're paying for. Mm -hmm. So 
I think while people are still adjusting and being very in tune with like therapy is necessary, there's a layer of people who are like, okay, well, now this new idea of coaching is an introduction or possibility, but what is that? And why are the prices different? And why do I get charged per session versus in full? Like there's differences. And I think that was the most difficult for me to introduce um, the differences um, and me having to decide what do I want my differences to be? Mm-hmm. Because not so much in terms of what I charge, but how I am offering what it is that I charge. And where can I meet the people who I see? Where can I meet them at in terms of like a halfway point and a point that serves me, but also serves them and their understanding and gives them comfort around how to um, how to pay and what payment looks like, right? So that was the hardest piece for me. Um, and I'm still figuring it out in terms of what's the balance that works for me. I'm mm-hmm. still pursuing trying a few things right i have a method that i'm trying now that includes an initial payment and then payments um and i want to grow from there yeah i love that when you said about okay you know it's about me deciding to like at the beginning like okay this is what is the difference like i need to know the the line and at the same time i need to try different things and learn from it and course correct if you need to, right? And that's how you do businesswoman thing. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think this is because a lot of times we can get into what this is what they're doing. Like, and I think what the key is asking yourself what you want to do and what really aligns to the population or the niche of people that you have decided to connect and serve. Um, and not to say that you have to do it their way. I think some consideration should be given to how they do or respond. Um, and so for me, that has made me more aligned with my offers. Um, and everybody gets the same because I understand the effects of one, how your mind manages information, right? So when I offer sessions there, every 12 sessions. Like so, um, and that's to, and I see the context in terms of how imperative it is for both clients. When you know there's a time limit, a frame, it does something to the mm-hmm. mind where people show up more intentionally. It's like a placebo. Like, yeah. oh, I get 12 sessions. I need to make the most of this. Yeah, and, and for therapy, um, I think a lot of evidence-based therapy that's you know, now kind of coming in or have come come into the field has more of that structure, but traditionally therapy world, it's, and especially I think private practice, practice cash pay is more like open-ended, right? Yeah. Absolutely, that was the joy of it. When I found out I didn't have to write, put codes in, I was like, oh, I'm not doing this. And you know, the, the luxury that I had of working with that practice is that we didn't have to do that. We did notes, she required notes, but we didn't have to do coding, put codes, do billing. Mm-hmm. And when I realized some of my people who I knew who were spending hours or hundreds and hundreds of dollars on billing, I was like, oh, no way. <laughs> no way. Then I found out insurance companies don't pay you your rate. They pay you percentages of your rate. No way. And, you know, people were like, oh, well, you'll never have a practice, a full practice. I was like, I won't believe that lie. 
Oh my gosh, I'm so, so excited that you, you didn't believe that, right? Because those like common beliefs are out there, right? People share yes. those beliefs. And when you don't buy into that and like, no, there's other way. There's, there gotta be other way to do this. And no, I can make my practice full without compromising. Like, because for some people, I think that's the way, right? They, they, they like the, um, you know, getting the referrals, you know, easy. I wouldn't say easy, but like, it's all, almost automatic. You don't have to market yourself or you don't have to go out there and do the work, but the insurance companies send you clients yeah. and some people, like that and you pay for that right you pay the cost yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of that but like you are like no way i'm gonna build my own empire so um yeah that's 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 very inspiring mm -hmm. and and i want the listeners to also see the possibilities like you don't have to go one way or the other like what's the best fit for you because i think each of us have different lifestyles different life goals and you know all that stuff that we cannot put be put in a cookie cutter path yes, absolutely and i think that's what i was determined to be clear about what i wanted and not the expectation in terms of what the industry provides um for me all i had to do was find one or two examples who were doing it and i knew there were possibility in it and so that's what I sought out. And so when I found these women, you know, even though they had transitioned to coaching and supporting people with building their practice, they, one of them, their connection was one of them had a insurance paying practice. One of them had a non-insurance practice and both decided to come together and collaborate and teach people how to pursue whatever it is that they want. So they didn't teach, they let people decide which one do I want and we're going to show you how to actively pursue both of them. And so that was the instruction and support that I received is that I'm going to decide to do this in this moment. And I, in, in, even with keeping in with the population that I was serving, knew that like some people were like, oh, well, people, black people can't afford it. And I'm like, but they can't and they will. Right. And so I grew in that belief and understanding. And there were not times that I didn't have, you know, spaces to, like there was not times where I needed or sought anything out. Yeah, and that's empowering for them too, when we believe that they can. And, yes. and uh, you know, not only the money uh, mindset or money aspect of it, but even for them to reach their goals or for them to have, you know, extraordinary life and reach like bold goals, like we, we that's what I learned the first lesson I kind of like one, you know, I started um, putting my toes into this online, you know, world and um, I didn't know I was, I wanted to become a coach. So I wasn't, back then I was just like kind of figuring things out and I signed up for this, um, uh, I think it was like a one-time discovery call or something, but this woman charged $500 for one hour consultation and back then I had no idea <laughs> and I'm yeah. like okay this is my like entrance to this wonderful world of online business and I'm just gonna go in and find out what's possible and it was the most expensive but also I think the most valuable lesson I got 
which was like sadly it was a negative um experience where she didn't believe in me she didn't so you know i you know i was at the time um in a management or, or administrative position at a nonprofit, making pretty good you know um salary yeah. and income and she her whole thing was like she was telling me like it's not that easy as you think to mm. be successful in online business uh, or consulting business so you ca you kind of have to think about it you're making a lot of money now and in order to replace that that's going to take a long time and i'm like okay and, and after that <laughs> I paid you that money to tell me that? That's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> at first, I believed her because that was my kind of self-doubt too, right? Like, yeah. I wasn't sure, can I make it? Can I really do it? And when she told me that, like, okay, I can't do this, <laughs> right? Like, I, Yes. But then I learned the most, you know, expensive lesson paying $500, which I think is cheap now to learn this lesson is that never, never doubt your clients, right? Yes. Because if they are coming to you and most of the time they, they are having a hard time believing in themselves. That's why they come yes. to you. Yes. And if you don't believe in them and their possibility, how can we make transformation in their lives, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Because it's not about what you think or what has been difficult for you, right? It's about what they believe is possible when you supporting them and pursuing that. Yeah. Um, I think that's very instrumental, even though it may not be what you want for yourself, or you may not even see how they're going to achieve it as the person in position in terms of helping them. But it doesn't mean that you should discount or deny them of their belief or their, their wish or their dream. Yeah, totally agree that. Yeah, because I think all the possibilities come from that belief. Yes. Um, you know, even the little tiny bit at the beginning, but like the hope and potential and possibility of, okay, I think I want to go there. And like you said, you found those couple of people who are doing it and you kind of follow them and that was enough for you to create that belief in yourself that you can do it too yeah and i think when i saw the same thing with coaching i saw what people were doing and then i had to backtrack to what is it that i wanted to do right like so this is the possibility but what is it that i want to do mm -hmm. and that i think served me more so than this is the possibility, so I should be doing the thing that's possible? No, I'm gonna do, pursue what's possible, but in terms of how I define it and what it is that I want, not what they're pursuing, because what's for them is for, for them, what's for me is for me. Right, so like it's not just copy and pasting what they're doing or how they even got there, because that's not gonna be your way, your steps. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And I see it over and over. And I think, you know, after my experience with that, I was still pursue like pursuing, right? Like I'm gonna make it work, even though she told me I can't <laughs> or you know, I'm it's gonna take a long time. I'm gonna do it. And but I, what I was pursuing back then was blueprints, you know, kind of like what are the steps and I can just follow and 
and that also took me into a different route like wrong path that now i know looking back what i needed exactly was that what you were saying like what do i want and yes. i know this it's possible so then what do i want to make how do i want to make it happen what's gonna be fun for me what fits my personality my wish my lifestyle all that yes absolutely totally yeah agree with that. yes so tell us about your population if you have any niche or specific um type of people you work with so my population is typically black women um, ages, um, I would say 27 to 45. Um, the niche that I usually tend to um, stay within is women who are essentially high performers but have and suffer with a lot of anxiety and the tendency to overthink, um, mm -hmm. which essentially paralyzes them from being in action and in pursuit of their goals right yeah anxiety and perfectionism and yes all that will paralyze us and and i think it's it's normal so really normal being human and i think in yes. coaching what we really teach and coach is to kind of like first kind of accept that part right yes. being human yes. <laughs> yes i think some people think like Oh, I have, I, and I feel, you know, what I've been seeing in the last couple months with some clients is they term what they feel is anxiety, but is more so overwhelmed and um, frustration and anger, right? That they have internalized as anxiety. And so people not even having the proper way of labeling anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, just putting it as like a, a, a placement in terms of like, well, this is what I heard it feels like, right? So, and this is what, you know, people have told me, and this is what I read on the internet, um, but not really checking in with themselves and like really understanding the complexity of our feelings. Yeah. Um, so I kind of challenge, I, I'm one of the people who challenge you, well, how do you know that's what it is? <laughs> not that you're wrong, but I want you to be clear about how you reach some of the conclusions that you come to when you put labels on yourself, right? So um, yeah. I do a lot of exploring of that. Well, what does it feel like? Well, I don't feel anything, right? So I'm really, uh, the, you know, I feel like there's some physiology around how anxiety shows up in the body, right? I can find something to support, evidence to support that. And if you don't have that experience, then let's really explore what you are experiencing. I think that's so powerful because we live in a society where like depression, anxiety, all that is so kind of overused or generalized and people just like put ourselves into that box of like the label you say and expect certain things or certain way from that but like really are we really feeling the the nuances of different you know emotions that we're experiencing and where those emotions even come from right yes exactly so i think it's having to explore all that um and i have always you know my population is not so and i've seen you know various races um i don't just you know see black black women but and i have seen other women i've seen white women i've seen you know hispanic women 
I've seen women from other nationalities. So, um, and I've seen men, right? So <laughs> black men, men who, black gay men, um, black straight men. I mean, it just doesn't, not to say, and, but they're this, in terms of what they present with is typically the same thing. Um, I have more streamlined to women in terms of who I um, speak to, um, but have definitely seen the, the allowance in terms of the, the flexibility and how I grow and understand people when I did allow sort of men and women into my practice. So, uh, yeah, I have a last question maybe um, to ask you. So you mentioned about then, you know, these processing of emotions and, you know, identifying different nuances, what's going on and kind of like finding their self-agency, right? Like their ownership of their own experience. And so how do you bring them from that place to action? Like you said, that's where you're, you love about coaching. Mm, good question. I th it's, a, it's a sense of readiness that they establish. And not so much like, um, I think is action is best suited for my clients have been when they're very uncomfortable, mm -hmm. right? Because then they're prompted in action to not be uncomfortable anymore. <laughs> so it's like, okay, you're uncomfortable. You're ready. You're ready now because you don't want to feel this. Right. So it's like, they may not recognize it as readiness. And by you asking that question, I probably never thought about it that way either just now. So um, them wanting to not even get them away or disconnect from being uncomfortable, but to recognize in being uncomfortable on the other, si other side of that is growth, mm -hmm. right? So allow yourself to be uncomfortable and acknowledge that also while simultaneously growing and creating something um, for your life that's going to create growth, that's going to expand you, that's going to create new opportunity on the other side of that feeling of being uncomfortable. Yes. I think that is what moves them. That is the thing that they grasp onto and they are aligned with being in action. Um, and it's not out of the avoidance of the feeling, it's out of the acknowledgement of the feeling. Yeah. And just deciding that I'm ready. Yeah. Do you follow Brooke Castillo? Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, what she says about like when you can embrace and be okay with feeling any type of emotions, that's when you become 100% fearless, right? Like you can, you can take any feelings because feeling is just the vibration inside of our body doesn't harm us and and we can survive through any emotions then that's when it helps you to take actions i think that and i think that's what you're discovering too yeah and i think for so long so many people have been conditioned to suppress or distract from feeling um and so the experience of it is uncomfortable what i encourage and what i allow them to see is that the capacity and the capability you have to move through it I'm never of, we're going to get over it. I'm, we're going to move through it. We're going to move through it with awareness, with certainty, with belief and possibility. Um, and I think that gives them the support to really dig into 
um, the conditioning that is no longer serving them. That's the magic. That's the magic. Yes. Sprinkles, sprinkles of that. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't it like really rewarding when you, yeah, sprinkle, sprinkle those magic and then it's just like in front of your eyes, these light bulbs go off and just like them start taking actions and isn't that like very fulfilling? experience absolutely yeah i like that they believe that their capacity to believe is is there now and that they understand the power that is within that mm -hmm. right and so it is it's rewarding for me um that i only tapped into the thing that was already there yeah yeah like i didn't do like my magic was not getting you to perform in a sense it was just tapping into the, the existence of you and like just tapping into the thing, the magic that was within you. Yeah. And allow you to pursue and be magical and do things that you didn't think you could do and pursue and believe in things that you thought were impossible and to condition and be in control and manage and give yourself responsibility to create the life that you want. Yeah, it's kind of like just unlocking it, right? The magic is already inside of them and you just like, you know, help them unlock it. And then they haven't even, they didn't even know that existed in yes. them. And they now can see it. And like that moment is, yeah, very, very magical. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Jody. Uh, can you tell us where we can find you and contact you? Yes, so um, my website is www.givinglifellc, giving life <laughs> LLC. Um, I'm also on Instagram at giving life LLC. It's all one word, so giving and life. Life is an acronym for leveraging insight to fulfill and empower. Um, but the just giving life part and keeping it all together was easy way for just everyone to find me. So giving life LLC on Instagram and on Facebook um, and um, www.givinglifellc.com. Awesome. I love the name. Thank you so much, Joji, for being on Thank this you. podcast. This was very inspiring and fun. Thank you so much. This is great. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to geek out on coaching an amazing lifestyle and businesses we are all building, come and join my Facebook group called The Therapist to Coach. And if you are really curious to find out what your first few steps are to start getting coaching clients and grow your practice as a coach, contact me from my website, www.sachikocohen.com. That's S-A-C-H-I-K-O-C-O-H-E-N.com. We can set up a free consultation call and find out exactly what your next steps are.